Hey, and welcome to the Quest Podcast. We are so excited that you are here. Life with Christ is an absolute journey, and you do not have to do it alone. Jesus is in every single bit of it. We are excited to help you connect the Bible, the Word of God, to our culture and your calling. God has so many great things in store for you and for the world around us if we choose to step in with his mission and his calling in our lives. So grab a backpack, a water bottle, and join us on the adventure. Hey guys, welcome back to the Quest Podcast. This is Michaela Wickham. We've got Brent Dongel here, and uh, we are talking to someone who has been in the ministry field for a while, has seen a lot of things, and has a lot of wisdom to bring to the table. And that is Dan Irvin. Yeah. Uh, we are excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, will you tell us um, a little bit of who you are, what you've done, where you've been, where you're up, where you are now? Sure. Um, Forty years. Uh, it's kind of scary how fast that all went by, but uh, we've, we've had opportunity to do a lot of different things. Um, uh, we've pastored, uh, we've spent a number of years on mission field and, um, worked as a, uh, administrator, uh, for missions organizations now doing something, I guess you would call it humanitarian work. We work for world hope international and, um, Honestly, it's our point of passion, that connection between proclamation and good good works. Um, um, so that's our sweet spot right now and kind of the way we're hardwired. And all of our life, we've been training for this job right now. And uh, so it's, it's uh, an awesome time for us. So even if, uh, Dan, we got to meet actually at one point, even in Haiti when Mm -hmm. you were on the field. So a few things that even for me calling wise are so interesting for you. Um, and even for those that are listening in there is, um, one of my, we we were walking in Haiti on this um, ground that you're at. And I know you're saying humanitarian causes. You're, you're working now with people that are, you're building wells or certain ways you're trying to help people need with water or other cleanliness. And so there's so many things you do. But in Haiti, there was that, but there was also you empowering leaders. Mm-hmm. And to the point of you also speak, I mean, you would speak Creole mm-hmm. pretty fluently. Mm-hmm. So you can not just English. You, you were fully immersed for years to be able to speak the language of the people in Haiti and get what it means to help people in need, but then also say, how do we build leaders to actually change this country? Absolutely. The single most important thing that you do as a missionary is empowering people, um, building capacity. And in Haiti versus sometimes the States, the church and uh, and culture would just look differently. And I'm not sure how much this is still true, but Haiti as a whole, the, the, the death age or rate, what's the right word there would be at a, you'd be, you would die younger more yes. often than the state. So like a lot of your ministry would have been with people that are um, younger as a whole. Right. But then even if they're feeling like a call to ministry or to a career, um, those opportunities wouldn't be the same in Haiti as here. So it'll be really interesting to talk to you about how did you empower someone mm-hmm. in Haiti that's feeling called to this or that? Sure. Um, and what does that look like? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions around calling, but I remember one conversation. I think you were just talking off the top of your head, uh, but just, just I'm just giving context for you with me. That mm-hmm. so I remember you saying, Brent, leadership wise, um, mm-hmm. the best leaders um, they usually annoy you if they're your support staff. <laughs> and Absolutely. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it, just, yeah. it threw me off. I'm like, what are you talking? About? I was like, Brent, the ones that just say yes and no and go with you they're probably not going to be the next one that are going to follow up and be the leader in your spot because they're too much of a yes and no person. They don't yes. have, they don't have enough, uh, leadership or 
uh, you didn't use the rowdiness, but enough uh, of their own opinions um, mm-hmm. to be able to lead fully. Yeah. And so it was so it was one of those quick moments we had a conversation. But I'm like, <laughs> this is so good. That's yeah. so that's so wise knowing that like the people below you that annoy you because they have dreams and visions. Like yeah. that's that's not a bad thing. That can be a good thing. Right. Absolutely. I love that. What do you in that? I want to ask. What do you look for in potential leaders coming up? Like, what kind of qualities do you go for and you look at or try to develop in someone who's either going to the mission field or leading a church or leading a youth group? What does, like, that beginning stages of leadership look like that you want to develop? I, I think it's a, it, it's a balance between passion and respect. Uh, respect for structures, respect for other people. Um, that kind of drivenness, uh, not a jet, but a bulldozer, uh, in the sense of strong and, and, hmm. and grinding ability yeah. to know, uh, where you're going. And at the same time, a sense of, uh, I'm a, I'm a seeker. I'm a learner. Um, when I find that combination, that's exciting. I love that. That's, that's so, that's a, yeah, it's, there's a great level to that. So, um, we're definitely going to go to the different route as to even how you explore calling and what that looks like. But as someone that's been on the mission field, um, when we're talking with high school students, a lot of people, if they feel a call or guy calling them, I think one of the instant things is, I feel I'm supposed to go overseas. Whether that's always true mm-hmm. or not, it feels like then my call to missions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm assuming as you have missionaries and people coming through, you would process that through with a lot of teams yeah. or people on the ground. So how, if, if someone's like, Dan, I'm feeling a call and maybe I'm called to missions. How do you usually start to walk them through that process? How much are you like, let's go versus do you have other questions? I'm just curious. What do you do when someone's feeling a call from God and they're not sure if it's missions or not? Well, one of the things I, I always say to um, younger people who are really struggling with the idea is that Jesus trained for 30 years, for three years of ministry. Wow. So it's hard when you're young to think about the rest of your life. And yet, um, honestly, a lot of times when you're 17 or 18 or, you know, university student age, you have a lot of passion, but you don't have a lot to offer yet in Hmm. terms of experience. You have the gifting that God has given you. You have the passion, which is great. You have energy, which is great. But it stands to reason that your best work will be done someplace out there. And that for a while, God is going to send you to the places and among the people in the roles that will shape you and form you to be your strongest warrior self at some point down the line. I totally hear that, but my devil's advocate side says, you meet so many 17, 18-year-olds or college students right now that are like, why am I still taking these classes when I can be out there doing it? Because I feel like I have so much to offer. So I get what you're saying long-term building up to that, but what do you say to a student that's like, no, like, why am I in classes right now? I could be out doing it. I want to be on the mission field with those people or a high schooler. So I hear what you're saying, but in the moment... It's not like, oh, I need to build another five to ten years. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is my prime. I have a lot of influence. I have a lot of people that look up to me. I might support race for me. I have the energy to go trying to take on the world. So what do you do with that when there still feels like a passion that I have a lot to offer right now when you're 17 or 20? Yeah, the, the thing I, I would probably tell that person who's just uh, really driving is to go find an internship or to do a summer 
uh, trip somewhere. There's yeah. lots of organizations that do that. Um, uh, my own son was one of those people. Uh, you're de- you're describing uh, Matt to the T, and uh, he did YWAM, and it was it was amazing for him because he got to he got to use some of that energy. He got to try out some of his ideas. He also was confronted with the reality of how hard it is to do anything wow. for the kingdom because Satan doesn't give up uncontested ground, and mm-hmm. so he got a a life lesson as well so uh yeah don't i I wouldn't uh i wouldn't spurn that energy but i would say let's let's find a creative place for you to push your your sense of calling to the next level that's such good advice so what's the next step instead of like you have to go all in right now what's a good testing ground yeah uh, i hear this like that this is something you get to figure out as you walk right um do you think there's also like crisis moments where uh, God's like, yeah, uh, I'm calling you to this. And then what does that look like to process after? Yeah, absolutely. In my personal experiences, I've, I've looked uh, at the process and, the, and the, the timeline. There have been times when God spoke to me, uh, first of all, with a, a growing sense of conviction that played out over years. Yeah. Wow. And there were there was one particular time in my life where I was asked a question and I knew the answer immediately. And that was probably the most dramatic change when I uh, went back to the mission field from a pastor where I was very comfortable, Mm. had my best staff. I had a board that was very cooperative. The church was growing. It was not the right time to leave. And I went uh, to a meeting with no idea that anything unusual was going to happen in that meeting. I was going to to consult uh, regarding a mission problem. And in the meeting, I was asked if I would go to serve in a troubled place. And instantly, I knew the answer was yes. And I didn't want that answer, necessarily. There were lots of reasons why that didn't make sense. And yet, then... I knew, and I look back now knowing that that was the right call. It was definitely God's um, way of letting me know. So, yeah, the answer is kind of yes. Uh, Calling doesn't look the same for everyone. It doesn't look the same for one person throughout the course of his life, necessarily. So um, how much... How much do you feel like it's necessary? I mean, I, I think it's good to wrestle with God, but how much is it necessary to wrestle through to figure out, like, especially like in the end of high school or when you're getting into college, like, I need to figure out my calling. And then as though once you've gotten that crisis moment and figure it out, you you go with that. How much is it something you figure out along the way throughout life versus how much is it? it no, there usually feels like when you watch people, is there usually a moment where that drives the rest of their life for the next 40 to 60 years? Because I think we often are waiting for that one moment earlier on and then we feel like that drives everything. So like I, I guess you you've gotten to watch people process mm-hmm. their calling. So how much of calling is like a moment mm-hmm. versus an ongoing process throughout the life? Yeah. I think that a lot of times initial call is is more a sense of growing awareness that you have um you know, that God is, is giving you signals. He's giving you messages. And sometimes it's, uh, you're sitting in a service and, uh, uh, the speaker says something and it's like, it really rings in your head or you're, yeah. you're doing worship time and a certain line starts to stick in your head or you read a book yeah. or you, you know, 
and and those things begin to make sense to you and it begins to uh you start asking people about it and i think that's very common that 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 initial sense of calling is is a gradual process that gets to the point where you look over to a good friend and say you know i think god's calling me to this or that but the rest of your life i think is just daily obedience I think sometimes we make, uh, for me personally, I think sometimes we make calling this mystical, mysterious thing. You can't possibly know what God's going to do with you when you're 18 or 20 or 25. Hmm. You have no way to know what the path that God is going to lead you. And that's probably a good thing. In my own personal experience, I've been places I wouldn't have chosen. Right. But I went there. And I'm glad I did now, but I went there because of a sense of conviction, a sense of, I promised to serve God, and he's sending me. What caused you to stay there? Like, you went because of a conviction that God was calling you, but what made you stay? <laughs> I think um, I'm just stubborn. <laughs> um, part, partial answer. Um the sense, I think what God gave me that equates to calling is a vision for what could be and a sense along the line that it's okay, we're going, we're getting there, it's happening. The ability to see, to, to just kind of look around and see God moving the pieces. I don't know how else to say that, but as, as long as I could look around and see that the pieces were moving in, in a good spiritual direction, then I was motivated to keep doing my part of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. And I love your, I, there's things along the way you've said so far that like I'm already taking with me that Satan doesn't give uncontested ground. Mm-hmm. Um, just even just this idea of training Jesus trained for 30 years for three years of ministry. Um, one of the things I love about you with us specifically is you're the first one that also has a, a large experience in the mission field. So a, another cultural experience as well. Mm-hmm. So one thing I would be intrigued on calling wise is, um, would you, would it be a different process for someone trying to figure out what God's calling them to if they're in Haiti or somewhere else with less resources, which doesn't have to be Haiti. That could be somewhere even stateside versus potentially someone that's, in like in college or in a high school that has more opportunity or even like a paid career potentially in front of them where that may not actually be an option in Haiti. So I'm curious as to does calling look different, different places or would you uh, beyond just the core obedience, wherever, how would you process that with people potentially not only stateside, but someone in Haiti and would that be different or the same in your opinion? No, I think there are places where uh, ministry calling is, um, much uh, requires more uh, it costs more than here interesting um because uh for instance very few pastors are paid in haiti um i'm only aware of a of a handful actually i worked in several countries in the caribbean basin area and that's true in all of those countries and so i'm only aware of, of of a couple I'm talking about 200 pastors. I think I know three that are full-time paid pastors. Wow. All the rest of them are bivocational. So, Which is a crazy contrast, and keep going, but because one of the main questions you get for people training in ministry stateside is, 
will I get paid enough for this to be a career? Like that is like one of the major concerns or questions for parents stateside is not will I get will I get paid enough to have a career? Whereas that's almost assumed you're not there. It's not. It's not. A, that's not even a, a question. No, and and in many other ways, um, sometimes because of the cultures, um, the boundaries that we feel like we require here in North America for for sanity, for uh, for protecting our families, don't exist there. Uh, you can't close your door. Um, uh, everybody has cell phones now. You can't not answer a parishioner's call. And so uh, some of that is uh, is just a cultural adaptation, and those who are born and raised in that culture have more resilience in, in those things than, mm. than a North American might. But uh, honestly... Um, it costs more to do ministry in many other cultures on, on a number of different levels. Insecurity, uh, health, uh, health insurance is unknown in most most of the world, um, and and the security of a salary. So there's you have the family tensions, you have the bivocational demands on your time, mm. and a culture that demands that a pastor be accessible. So all of those things put the person in ministry in, in a pressure cooker. Wow. I have a hmm. culture question, just the Haitian culture. Mm -hmm. What does the Haitian culture teach us about God that we don't see normally? Well, I think the, the whole idea of depending on God is an abstraction for a lot of North Americans, but it's an everyday reality for people who live outside of this context because they live in an under-resourced setting. I mean, many, many people around the world, um, like Haitians, but uh, Africans and Asians and even South Americans, um, wake up every morning not sure how they're going to eat that day or what kind of crazy is going to come into their life. I mean, they live in violent places where... Um, uh, there's political violence, there's wow. criminal violence, and you have things like an uh, incredible amount of disease burden in many of these places. And so this idea that we're going to depend on God uh, for us is like, yeah, we have to make a conscious choice to do that and to reframe our thinking. But those people <laughs> are confronted every day uh, with all of the circumstances that are outside their control. Um, and yeah, as you were talking to, I get, I, I get, I'm, I'm using Haiti cause that's why I saw in context, but you oversaw sure. the whole Caribbean leadership wise. Right. So it wasn't just Haiti. Like you country wise, you would have a lot of traveling experience, different places there. I guess my one other question around that would be a student in the Caribbean or in Haiti, the 17 year old, I'm feeling called, potentially called to missions. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you would add to that or say something different compared to someone 17-year-olds were in central Clemson, South Carolina, I feel like a call to missions. Would, uh, is there anything else that would be added? or uh, What would be the difference? Or would you kind of coach them the same way if someone's feeling a call to missions, feeling a call and a call to missions? I, I think that a, um, a student in, in one of these other contexts would, would face some additional challenges. For one thing, education is not readily available. Uh, it's expensive. And uh, they would, uh, and many, many times their families are not able to help them at all. So they would they would have to spin harder, spin faster, uh, to be to 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 be educated. They would also have to be thinking about what they're going to do bivocationally. So they would have to be double trained, 
Interesting. Sounds like Kovo, right? Yeah, uh, something uh, we offer here in yeah. Southern Yeah, so um, they would have to figure out what it is that is their um, their passion or interest otherwise that they could earn a living um, while they while they serve in in ministry. So in those respects, it would be it would be quite different. And many times, even Christian parents would not be a big fan of that idea. And I know that's not unique to these contexts, but uh, the parents have no social security. Their children will be their safety net in the future. And so they're concerned about what their children are doing for a living and how much money they can earn and will it be enough to sustain the family. Wow. So they may get opposition. Even Christian parents, uh, you know, let that be your hobby, but, you know, let's focus on a job that will help support okay, the family. Support the family. Yeah. Um, and I know you were talking about parents in the Caribbean right there. Um, but I would be curious. I this stuck with me. There was a preach. Uh, there was someone, a missionary, came in um, to speak at a church that I was pastoring at, and the comment that stuck with me that they started off with, or somewhere early on, was that one of the biggest hindrances or obstacles for missions or people wanting to go in the mission field, um, for, especially for teenagers, was parents, was Christian parents. Mm-hmm. And somehow, when he said that, it just. I, I had I had never put it in that way, and I love parents. I think parents have great intentions and support sure. kids in so many ways. So I'm not trying to target parents, but would there be truth to that? I mean, I, I, you're talking more about the support in a Caribbean context financially, um, but for people that are processing calling, is it not to assume? But is it healthy to almost somewhat prepare for it? One of your biggest obstacles might be convincing parents. That that's God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my parents never put a straw in my path. Um, their their biggest issue is I'm just thinking back, and, and and it's also true of my wife's parents. We we were young. We were we were 22 or 23 when we announced to them that we were going to Haiti. Um, their their concerns were for our safety and security and the potential for future grandchildren to be living in that context. Um, but they were very supportive as well, if that's what God's saying to you. Um, unfortunately, a lot of young people don't have that kind of support. And I, I've heard it many, many times from, from those who have come through our, uh, through our life or through the ministry where God's called us. So That's a challenge I hear for parents. And, like, I'm not one, but <laughs> one day I will be, like, trusting the Lord with your kids. Mm-hmm. And, like, trusting the Lord in the calling that they're hearing mm-hmm. um, is something I, I watch parents wrestle with all mm-hmm. the time. And even my parents had to wrestle with it, too. I've, I've talked about it multiple times, mm-hmm. like even on these podcasts of like, why don't you do the safe thing and major in something that yeah. will give you the funds to take care of yourself and then minor in ministry and that be like your hobby. Right. And like, no, that's like not what I feel inside of myself. Right. And so uh, I challenge like that's a challenge to parents, like trust the Lord with the calling of yeah. And ask questions and like yes, poke and see if that's a real thing or they're like being crazy. But um yeah. when you see that that's the real thing, like trust the world with them. Yeah. And I have kids, but they're not old enough to be at the stage of like sending them off. Does something shift? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of Christians when they were teenagers or college students, they might say um, I would love for my kids someday to be in the mission field or to be called. I, I mean, some would say the opposite, but I think there'd be a lot that probably earlier on would say, that's what I believe in. That's what I want to do. But then when it comes to their kids, they all of a sudden get defensive. What's that shift? What's different? 
Um, I think it's different for people who uh, have served in ministry, uh, watching their children, than some who have not. Um, when you have served in ministry, on one hand, I, I remember some of those snapshot moments with my kids. I remember um, one of them um, was in her mid-teens, and um, I was in the sanctuary. Uh, I was in the sound booth setting up a, a slideshow for my message, and it was a Saturday morning. And I heard this angelic voice singing a praise song. And uh, I knew the youth were ha uh, doing the praise and worship that, that Sunday. And I knew it was somebody from the youth because they had started to trickle in. They were getting their things together. And I popped up, and it was my daughter. And I had never heard her sing out loud before. Mm -hmm. And I remember that moment being so proud. And, and that I was watching her without her knowing it actually worship. She wasn't just singing. She was worshiping. And... To me, that as a parent, that was a, a moment that I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is ministry hurts. There's a price to be paid for it. Yeah. And nobody likes to think about the idea that my my son, my daughter, is gonna have to deal with this. Wow. On the other hand, life hurts. Right. So uh I think all of those things play in your mind when your children get serious about a calling and say, this is what I feel like God's directed me to do. Wow. The prize is worth the cost. It is. And that is following Jesus and his glory alone. And so, like, yeah, there's a cost. Um, but when I think about the prize, which is which comes right when you say yes, mm -hmm. uh, the peace that surpasses understanding, yeah. but also... That God gets the glory overall, yeah. and He will take He'll take care of you, uh, whatever it looks like. Back to a question you asked: What keeps you there? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. One of the answers to that for me is, I have never found or seen or done anything else that's worth my life mm -hmm. than ministry. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a speechless comment. <laughs> <laughs> So good. I've been at that exact point yeah. multiple times. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I come back to that point. Nothing else worth. around me mm -hmm. is worth devoting yeah. my life to. It's this is the most. This is eternal. Yeah. This is the only thing that is. Yeah. Jesus prayed for this. Like, yeah. Send people out to go get other people. Yeah. And like. He asked us to pray, and he was praying himself. Yeah. Mm. And there's something in yeah. there, Dan, with what you're saying, too. Like, I, I, I think I, I underneath there's ministry calling was the same. I, um, there was almost like I can't – there's other things I feel like I could do yeah. talent-wise, and that's not a pride thing. It's just other things I could do work-wise, but I can't imagine anything else I would rather do, um, which is costly, but also is enjoyable. Yeah. Like, there also is – there's a sense of, like, I can't think of anything else I would rather give my life to. Um, and there's a, there's a cost there's sacrifice, whether that's family finance, there's a lot of things that are like the, the logistics of that, but there's another side where there's an excitement to yeah. it, like that I think kind of comes with that. Um, I, um, was a missionary in New Zealand for two, two and a half years. Um, I didn't want, to, but I didn't want to go into missions cause I liked traveling. 
Like if that, if that I don't know if that makes sense, but like <laughs> I, like I I enjoy cultures and people. Sure. Um, so, but I, I kind of made a commitment. I'm going to not keep going on just a lot of short term missions trips because I like to travel. Like, mm-hmm. just like, not that that's mm-hmm. bad, but I just want to, it was like, if I'm going, I want to go more long term. And so when I feel like God said, Brent, trust me, I want you to go to New Zealand for about two years. Like there wasn't, there was a lot of sacrifice, but there's a lot of excitement. Like yeah. God, really? Like yeah. I get to give my life to this, like that it's so costly, but there's an excitement to it too. Mm-hmm. So gratifying. Absolutely. Um, my wife and I, uh, you know. After 40 years of ministry, we look back and say, we've had an amazing life. Mm. We've gotten to do things that two kids from the middle of nowhere in Western Pennsylvania would never even dream about doing. Most of our, uh, most of my wife's family still live within 25 or 30 miles of where she grew up. I mean, a huge percentage of them. She's the anomaly, but. We've been places, we've seen things. Um, you know, God yeah. God makes sure that the things that will uh, invigorate you and inspire you, that you get to experience some of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are rewards all along the way. God says, I'm going to. I'm going to give you this because you've been faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to let you see something pretty exciting because of your obedience. That that's a part of the thing that we need to, I mean, we need to hear, like that's a part of the journey that you, it's, it's, it's not selfish necessarily. It's just fun to know that a part of the way it's, it's a, it's an adventure. I mean, this this whole thing is called quest. There's this adventure, a part of it. That's so fun for that. Is there anything you would want to say um, to a high school student? Like, uh, let's say like, I'm just putting age 14, 18 year old right now that's listening. And they, I mean, I, when we have parents or youth pastors, other people listening in, but I'm sensing a call and with you specifically, even potentially even a sense of maybe a call to missions. Is there anything as we're kind of closing off here mm-hmm. that you're saying, right, here's next steps or just remember this. Um, just speak from your heart on that one if there's anything. Yeah, I, I can only speak from my own experience, but what I would say is this. Um, honor that calling. Um, uh, engage that calling. Uh, talk to people about it. Um, start working hard to know yourself. What is God? What did God, how did God equip you? What did he, what kind of passions did he put in your life? What, what is that place that, um, that place that really excites you? Um, you're in training. God's going to put you in several places probably, uh, to sharpen your skills. Um, and, it's a. It's going to be just a walk of daily obedience, more than some grand dramatic thing. Uh, very few of us are going to have a Damascus Road kind of experience. Most of us are just going to walk every day in obedience. And the one thing I would say that I wish that I had grasped earlier in my life is that God loves people and programs and uh projects, they're probably going to be part of what we do because that's how we think. That's how right. we process. But people are, God loves people. Right. And learning how to be self-aware and engaged socially with people, learning some of those very basic skills, wow. learning to think clearly uh, for yourself, um, you know, Evidence-based is a is a buzzword people are using now, but it just makes sense. You plan according to what works. Plan um, for the future. 
But don't forget that people yeah. are the church's people. So good. Wow. Well, thank you, Dan, so much for being here. Uh, Lit, you are full of wisdom, and I've loved spending time with you. Um, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. We're actually going to jump into still talking about calling, but we're going to shift to what does it mean to be called to something outside of ministry? Because God can talk about that just as much as calling to ministry in the church or missions or wherever. So um, look out for next week when we start to talk about what does it look like to be called to somewhere outside of ministry. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.